You are listening to Victory Elabang Podcast. Jesus exemplified humility all throughout his life and ministry. Find out why humility is one of the marks of a true leader in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. We're going through our leadership series entitled Unpopular. And the tagline is, Leadership is not a popularity contest. We've been running this series for about two weeks, but it is actually our, our third week. And we are looking today at a, at a topic I believe that really will affect all of us. Now we talk about leadership. How many of you believe that you are a leader? Please raise your hand. I do believe that all of us should be raising up our hands. In one way or the other, if somehow we're born to influence other people. Okay? We're all leaders. Everybody say, we're all leaders. And we're also all followers, by the way. Uh, if you're leading somebody, chances are you're also following somebody. Okay? And, uh, you know, we've uh, basically talked about leadership, that leadership is not just about position. Because sometimes when you look at leadership, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that, you know, it's actually a title or a position uh, that you have in your company, or maybe, uh, maybe you're a founder of a, an organization, maybe you're a boss in your office, maybe you're a teacher, or maybe you're a life coach, or whatever. Okay? Sometimes we put leadership in those terms, but how many of you would agree with me that leadership is not just position? It's part of it, there's nothing wrong with position. And I do hope that you have a place in leadership. You know, but sometimes, even if you don't have a position, maybe uh, just your life uh, assignment or maybe your life situation, you are a leader. Okay? How many uh, head of the families do we have here? How many husbands and fathers do we have in this place? Please raise your hand. Okay? You are a leader. Okay? Uh, it doesn't matter what your job is, but you are leading your families. You are leading your wife. Amen. <laughs> and not the other way around, right? You are leading them in righteousness. You're leading them in, in uh, you know, integrity. You're leading them in the ways of God. You're leading your children. Are we here this morning? You know, as dads, we are the ones leading our entire families. To the Lord. In fact, if you would look at the scriptures, it's so odd that you will find women that are being called in the assembly of God leading the Israelite tribe. It's normally the men. Of course, women are part of that, but sometimes, you know, but somehow God has placed leadership among the men, particularly the fathers. Okay, but Lord, this is not a Father's Day message, okay? So we can reserve this for June, okay? Now, leadership is also not about just power, but sometimes we also don't realize that there's a power attached to leadership, right? Especially if you are the boss, or if you are the CEO. How I many of you know that you have the power? You have the power to uh, approve certain uh, transactions. You have the power to uh, represent the company. You have the power to make decisions on behalf of the company or maybe the department you're leading, uh, whatever it is. Also, leadership can also attach with itself some privileges. Right? And, uh, you know, you may actually be a boss in your firm. And sometimes, you know, the downside of that is uh, we need to be careful that the privileges and the power and the position does not get to our heads. Are we here this morning? Because, you know, yes, leadership is not about position, power, and privilege, but it's somehow part of that. Okay? 
Now, we've been looking at these four topics for uh, this past few weeks, and you know, we're going to be ending and landing it next week. And uh, the first thing we talked about that leadership is actually having a selfless position, kind of like having the attitude of Christ. Okay, so the attitude of Christ is uh, the primary example okay, in, in selfless leadership. Uh, servant leadership is what we talked about last week. That uh, you know, this is basically the the heart to lead. It's to serve. Everybody say to serve. And we're not just here to be served, but we're here. To serve other people, whether it's in the ministry, whether it's in the church, whether it's in, uh, out there in uh, in the government, I believe that you know people are called to serve as they lead other people. Today we're going to be focusing on this word humility. Everybody say humility. How many of you are humble? How many of you are proud to be humble? Okay, anybody? Okay. Uh, humility. We're going to be talking about humility, and you know this is somehow we're all affected by this. You know, maybe you look at yourself and say, I'm not prideful, I'm humble. Okay? Because sometimes the thing about humility or pride is you tend to look at the externals of a person. Ah, ito, mayabang ka kasi, ang daming sinasabi. Ang lakas ng hangin, hindi ginawa kami. Summer na summer, 40 degrees outside, but inside it's zero degrees. Okay? You know, sometimes we, we look at pride as being conceited, but we're going to be unpacking this later on. And uh, next week, we're going to be focusing on sacrifice. So today, we're, we're looking at humility. And we're looking at how does it, how do we lead with this particular character called humility? I'd like to invite everyone to stand up with me and we're going to be reading uh, scripture this morning from, still from Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And we are basically looking at how Jesus led and how the book of Philippians basically described this ministry. And then later on, we're going to be looking at an actual example in the New Testament on how he led his disciples. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became what? Obedient to death, even death, on a cross. Let's bow as we pray. Father, thank you so much that, Lord, as we stand at attention of your word, we thank you, Lord God, that the Lord Jesus has given his life to us and has been an example, a great example of how, of how it is to become humble. We thank you, Lord God, that as leaders that you have called us to become, Lord God, as Christians, Lord God, whether in a corporate world, whether in the government world, whether in our own families, or whether in the area of relationships, I thank you, Lord God, that we'll be able to uh, emulate and follow the example of Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us today. I thank you, Lord God, that you will change our hearts from inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, you see that? Alright. So, we are uh, looking at this particular uh, word, humility. And sometimes we, as I said earlier, you know, we we tend to just disregard that as one of the key uh, things that we need in leadership. You know, we studied that leadership is basically influence. That when you talk about leadership, it's about influencing other people, influencing their lives, influencing the way they think, influencing even their mindsets, and their, uh, you know, basically impacting their lives. And, you know, uh, it's just basic uh, for all of us uh, just to have a, you know, just a quick review 
then according to sociologists, that about 10,000 people in your lifetime, you'll be able to touch them. Okay? You may be aware of that or not through you know, the, the people that you meet, uh, through your neighbors, through your, you know, the, the salon that you go to, uh, you know, your, your, your face, the, the social media. Actually, you know, because of the advent of the social media, I believe that these numbers are actually going up. You know, it does not remain in 10,000. You know, how many of you have friends in Facebook? Diba? And your friends have friends. Diba? There's a category there in Facebook, friends of friends. And then there's public. Guess what? The ability for us to be able to reach millions of people through the internet is possible nowadays. That's why a careless tweet, a careless post, or a strategic post can actually make an impact in the lives of many people. Are we here this morning? And sometimes, you know, we, you know, we uh, uh, tend to just disregard the impact, you know, the, of, of the power of the social media. And so, what if one morning you wake up in the morning and you woke up in the wrong side of the bed? Talagang bad And then you tweeted about it. Bad trip. And you're the CEO of your firm. See, boss, bad trip. The impact of that one firm or that one post, you know, it can actually cascade down the ranks and even to the other people. What if it's a careless post of me or maybe a photo or something? So we need to be very careful about the influence that we make. You know, according to Time Magazine, you know, of course, we are, we're familiar with uh, Jesus. Okay? We're, we're preaching about Him every week. Okay? According to Time Magazine, uh, the author of that particular article, uh, Joel Stein, and the, this particular feature is the world's 100 most uh, influential people in 2012, and he said this, Jesus Christ, if 3 billion people follow your teachings 2,000 years after you're dead, that's pretty influential. How many people agree with that? And Jesus lived, of course, we know that he, he died, he rose again from the dead, and he is no longer dead, but yet his teachings, his advocacies, his, his gospel, basically, is still being taught by the disciples. The original 12 is gone. But how many disciples do we have in this place? Please raise your hand. How many of you still believe in the teachings of Christ? And how many of us does not just believe that, but how many of us do that? You know, it's, it's, it's one thing for us to believe it and talk about it. It's another thing to live it and do it and obey it. Don't just let the scripture stay in your notebooks or stay in your shelves. But let's be careful to do it. You know, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. mouth. But meditate on it. Everybody say, meditate on it. Meditate on it day and night and be careful to do everything written in it. It talks about obedience. And the promise is, and then you will be successful. How many of you would like to be successful? But how many of us are obeying the word of God? Okay. So, you know, I believe that the reason why, you know, Jesus is still making an impact in the world today is because of this word, humility. You know, he died a different kind of death. And yet he was born as a king. You know, we're so, uh, you know, during the time of Christ, when he was born, he came uh, in, you know, in humble beginnings. 
You know, they were expecting for a mighty king to come. In fact, the Greek philosophers does not want this word humility. They don't believe in it. You know, humility means to become empty, to make low. It comes from the Greek word kapeno. Okay? Uh, you know, some of the meanings of that is empty of haughtiness. Okay? Uh, or, uh, can't be the others. Okay? Uh, rank below others. For the Greek philosophers, before even before Christ was born, humility is not a virtue. Because for them, humility is a weakness. For them, no Greek philosopher would teach about humility because if you talk about humility, it means that you are self it's self-abased. It's, it's self-abasement. You know, it's, it's putting yourself below others. Now, for the Greek philosophers, they believe in pompness. They believe in excellence. They believe in victory. They believe in being on top of the game. But somehow, when Jesus Christ came here and He was teaching a counterculture and He was teaching an unorthodox uh, doctrine of whoever wants to be great among you must be the servant of all. He who exalts himself will be humble. Diba? Whoever wants to be the first will be the last. That's why they could not understand you know, and even they actually just missed out on the coming of Christ at that time. People in Bethlehem, the people in Jerusalem were expecting a mighty king to come. They were expecting a king with, uh, you know, uh, with power, king of courage. They were probably expecting a king would come one day with a mighty horse, you know, who would deliver them from their enemy, the Roman Empire. But yet this king was not born in the palace. He was born you know, when the wise men came, where did they look first for the king? They went to the palace. Where do you normally find a king? In a palace. In a rich place. The magi, the wise men, went to Herod and they were asking, where's the king of the Jews? I mean, where's the king of the Jews? Herod was surprised. I am the king of the Jews. What are you looking for? And they're saying, no, according to the prophecy, there's going to be a baby that will be born king of the Jews. So they were looking for him in the wrong place. And then they continued to follow the star, and the star led them to a house. Least of all their expectations that a king would be born in a manger and would actually live a humble life, just like that. That's why when you talk about humility, Christ is the best example of humility. And as you read in the scripture, Christ is God. He did not uh, consider equality with God something to be grasped. And what happened uh, to him is he went down from heaven to earth and he became human just like us. You know, the most humbling thing that a God can do is to become like his creation. Can you imagine an artist becoming a painting? Or maybe a sculptor becoming the sculpture. It's kind of like that what happens there. You talk about humility, it's humbling yourself in order for you to be able to lift up others. And that's exactly what Christ did for us. You know, imagine yourself. How many of you played seesaw when you were a young kid? You know, you, know you, you go to a playground, you see you see a seesaw. Yeah. And the uh, thing about seesaw, if you're, if you're down, somebody else is up. And the picture there is, when you're down, you're actually making somebody higher than you. In life, that is like a picture of humility. 
You stoop down in order to make somebody great. In fact, that's found in Psalm 18. God is like that. That Jesus stooped down for us in order for us to, to be great. In nowadays, uh, I believe the major problem is not humility. The major problem is the I problem. It's all about me. It's I. It's me. It's mine. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, maybe subscribing to that song, Learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. Okay, everybody lift your cell phone right now. Okay, I believe you. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we love, love listen to the lyrics. It's nice sounding. Learning to love yourself. Wow, it's the greatest love. I love you. Oh, I love myself. How I many of you know it's so natural to love yourself? You don't have to sing that song. And by the way, it's not the greatest love of all. The greatest love of all is what? Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is kind of like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's not a command. Loving yourself is not a command. It's an assumption. But the problem is we give too much emphasis on the I, on the me, the mind, the myself. And this is called the I problem. And this is known as pride. Pride chicken. The center of pride is I. Guess what? The center of sin is I. Because at the end of the day, sometimes it's all about me. What's in it for me? You know, we lead because of what we can get. We do these things because of, you know, there's something that is for me. We ask ourselves, what's in it? And we sing the song, It's all about me. We memorize the scripture, I can do all things through me who strengthens me. Pride. Sometimes pride is so subtle, you don't even know that it exists. But there is a form of pride in every one of us. Look at the person beside you. that person. It's okay. I understand. <laughs> There's a form of pride in each of us. Would you agree? Thank you for agreeing. Because I'm also raising my hands in my both my two feet. You know, it does not mean that if you're, you know, if you're not considered and you're not prideful. Of course, pride can be easier to spot in some other people. Right? What I'm talking about, yung sobrang hangin. Yung everything that he speaks about is about himself. You know, eh, parang lukas lolo ko. Everything that's magaling is chalang, you know I mean? He's too self-absorbed. And the topic of the, you know, of the conversation, 80% is all about him. That's right. 
But pride can also mean the other side of the pendulum, which is false humility. It's not even talking about yourself, but somehow just looking at yourself, eh, yapang-yapang mo naman, mas magaling naman ako sa'yo. That's also a form of pride. Now, how does pride show and manifest itself? Very quickly, you know, when we look to our moral performance and service as means of getting and maintaining God's favor, that's pride. Because you, you can never gain the favor of God by what you do. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Amen. When we come to the Lord, we don't come to the Lord with a list of what you did today. Lord, I read my Bible four chapters. I prayed one hour. I, did, I gave my tithes. I came to church on time, not like my seatmate. You know, I, I was kind to the parking attendant. You know, I was kind to my, you know, I, I, I gave my dog a bath. You know, it's all this list of things that we do for God. And you know, that's pride. At the end of the day, we have nothing to prove to ourselves. There's nothing that we can actually do that can actually please the Lord. God's already pleased with us because of what Jesus Christ did. Amen. And how many of you know that is with me? The moment you come to the Lord and say, Lord, patawarin mo kasi mabait naman ako kahapon. You already are categorized as prideful. You don't understand the grace of God. How does pride show and manifest itself? When we compare ourselves with someone who we think is inferior than us. That's pride. You don't have to open your mouth. You know, maybe just checking your Facebook, maybe, or Instagram, and you saw a post. And sometimes, you know, I have to, I have to analyze, you know, why do people post things on Instagram? Let me think about that for a moment. Let's study the psychology of Instagram or Facebook. Why do we post pictures? I mean, if the motive is to update my family and my friends in what I'm doing, that's great. That's fine. You know, dito lang ako. You know, I'm, you know, I'm spending time with my dog. We're drinking Milo together. Uh, you know, I fixed him a Milo dinosaur drink or something like that. So, uh, cute. Right? But if the motive is Andito ako, wala kayo. And that's pride. And sometimes, the motive of us posting pictures is because, you know, I can afford this and you can't. You're stepping on my toes. And I'm preaching to myself, guys. All of us go through this. We tend to compare ourselves with other people. Maybe you're working in a company and you feel like you're better than this employee. And why is this employee promoted ahead of you? Hey, mas magaling ako dyan. That's pride. Because you tend to compare yourself with others. Comparing yourself with the stuff that you have. Mas maganda yung iPhone ko sa kanya kasi iPhone 5 na ako. Ikaw 4S ka lang. Mas maganda yung misis ko sa'yo. Huwag niyo na pag-usapan niyo. Hirap yun. 
When we compare ourselves with someone who we think is inferior than us, that's pride. When we, when we care more about what others think about us rather than what God thinks, that's pride. You know, I remember the story of uh, two kings. First king was King Saul. King Saul sinned before the Lord and he was confronted by the prophet Samuel. And instead of Saul repenting before the Lord, he actually made a request to Samuel. Can you honor me before my men? He was more concerned about what people will think rather than what God will think about the situation. But when the prophet Nathan confronted David about his sin against Bathsheba and Uriah, he did not come before Nathan and say, honor me before men. He wrote the book of Psalm 51. In verse 4 it says, to you, you only have I sinned, O God. And he acknowledges sin before the Lord. There's a big difference. Two kings, different response. Both sin before the Lord. Getting yourself. In it, you know, of course, we want to be good for others. Because sometimes, the motivation behind that is pride. C.S. Lewis said this, Pride is by nature competitive. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only of having more of it than the next person. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking. How many of you are good-looking? Yeah. But they're not. That's not pride. They are proud, they're proud of being richer or cleverer or more good-looking than others. Because it's always a competition. It's always a comparison with others. And that's how pride moves in us. It's not about what you have right now. It's about having something or being someone that's better than the person that's next to you. Then that's pride. James chapter 4, verse 6 says, God resists the, but gives grace to the. Now, how many of you would like to be humble? Yes. Grace, grace. In the way we lead people, humility is actually a virtue. It's a must. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may what? Exalt you in due time. Don't exalt yourself. Let God be the one to exalt us. If we try to exalt ourselves, guess what? He will be the one to demote us. We will go through dishonoring. We don't seek and we don't look for honor. Let God be the one to do that. Because God is the one who honors the humble. C.S. Lewis said this in one of his writings. He said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. I don't know if you like that. No, no, no. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself Harold B. Lee says, Stay true in the dark and humble in the spotlight. Yeah. One last. Pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real. Don't promise me. Basically, when you look at this character or this virtue of humility, Jesus model humility. Even in his leadership. And we're going to look specifically right now, very quickly, in John chapter 13, how Jesus basically served his disciples. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, 
that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So he was meeting, you know, his days are about to end. He's meeting with his disciples uh, in a house, and the Bible says he loved them to the end. And when you talk about loving, you know, it's an enduring kind of love. And how many of you know that God loves us? God loves you no matter what. You know, He loved His disciples with an unconditional love, with a lasting love, with a permanent love, with a durable love, knowing that some of them will betray Him. Knowing that some of them will deny Him. Knowing that many of them will fall away because of the persecution, yet He still loved them to the very end. He stuck in them. And guess what? I don't know your situation right now, but God loves to the very end. And you need to hear this. God loves. Not about what you can do. Not about your situation right now. And you may be in the most difficult situation. Guess what? God loves you to the very end. Can you say that to the person beside you? God loves you. Let it be not a cliche. And we, we hear that diba? every time Jesus loves you. God loves you. But in reality, He does. He loves you till the very end. It will not change. Verse 2, And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. You know, Jesus displayed humility even to those who would betray him. And you know, the next verses after this, you will understand, wow, how can Jesus do that? Knowing that this guy is going to betray him, and yet, he still humbled himself and served him. If you have somebody who offended you, or betrayed you, whether a friend, or maybe in your company, maybe in your school, would you go out and still serve him? I'll serve him. Something like that. You know, just to get even. You know, but somehow, Jesus served everybody to the very end. Even Judas. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands, and that He had come from God and was going to God. You know, this is key also for humility. you got to know where you came from. you got to know where you're going. It talks about your identity in the Lord, and it talks about your purpose in life. If you know who you are, guess what? You will be secure. Amen. You know, I... You know, I Every time we would come into this church, you know, we, we, we come in as a team and we rejoice. You know, our, we have nine pastors in this team, leadership team. And these nine pastors are gifted differently. Okay? You know, some pastors are prophetic, some pastors love to talk, some pastors love to crack jokes, some pastors are seriously theologian in nature, some pastors are very relational, some pastors are just purely energetic. And we're just so secure about who we are. There's no comparing. And in fact, we, when we talk about, you know, when I introduce myself, I'm just one of the pastors of this church. You know, because you got to be secure with who you are, how God made you, where your identity is, because our identity comes from the Lord. Amen. And if you are a secure leader, it doesn't matter if somebody is 
being promoted ahead of you, or maybe is more gifted ahead of you. And that's the, that's the concept of discipleship. In discipleship, sometimes when you disciple people, you will find that some people are better than you. Some people are better communicators than you. That Some people are better gifted in the prophetic more than you. And that's just fine. Because you have been gifted differently, and that person has been gifted differently, and we've got to be secure with our identity in Christ. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about my credentials. It's about Christ. Amen. You gotta be secure. No problem. If somebody gets promoted in your office, eh, mas magaling ako rin, Lord, eh. Okay lang yan. Abang ka lang. Your time will come. Remember Joseph the dreamer? When he got jailed, and there's this cup bearer and this baker that were jailed with him. Remember that story? Diba? They actually were there because the king sent them to jail and he interpreted the dream. And yet, when the cup bearer got out, he said, Remember me. And tell a good word to the Pharaoh. Remember him. Remember him. Put them together. Remember me. So he said, don't forget about me. So the cupbearer was restored to his position as a cupbearer and for two long years, Joseph was waiting. He could have, sw- you know, he could have sw- uh, wallowed in, in, uh, you know, in self-abasement or maybe self-pity. But he just waited. Eventually, God promoted him to what? Being second in command. Had he been out right away after the cupbearer went out, he would have been assistant cupbearer to the king. Kasi pag nagmadali ka, ganun talaga. But if you know how to wait, God is the one who promotes. God is the one who exalts. God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Amen. Be secure with who you are, how God told you. Verse 4, it says, He rose from supper, laid aside His garments, took a towel, and girded Himself. Basically, He removed something to be able to serve other people. We have to remove ourselves, pride, in order to focus on others. He prepared Himself to serve you know, His disciples. And what Jesus Christ did to the disciples at that time was counterculture. Nobody would think of a master washing their feet. Have you ever washed the feet of a person? Aside from your wife or maybe your kids. I mean, really. Have you ever tried washing the feet? Maybe in a, I don't know, in a ritual or maybe in a... I tried it once. You know, when we were still in... Uh, our office was in Makati. Uh, we had a communion one time. And among the staff, we broke bread and we washed each other's feet. The person assigned to me or, you know, or who was beside me basically was Pastor Ferdi Kabili. And I saw the feet of Pastor Ferdy. I'm not going to describe it anymore. It's not a sight to see. But we washed each other's feet. You know, I washed his feet, and he washed my feet. And it's a feeling of parang, it's an easy, you know, you don't want people to wash your feet unless you're having a foot spa. Sarap, di ba? Pag-boots ko, oh, pakibugasan mo ang gawain, ang paa, di ba? 
Pakikasas mo nga lahat ng mga kalyo. But normally, in, in a culture, in everyday culture, in, in, in Jerusalem at that time, if you're a Jew, because they, have, they don't have paved roads, they have open sandals. And can you imagine if you have open sandals, you're walking the whole day, it's full of mud, full of dirt, and you go into a house, the first thing you do is to wash your feet. And normally, it's the slaves who are washing the feet. Not even Jewish slaves would do that. Sometimes the wives would serve their husbands and wash their feet, or the children would serve their parents and wash their parents' feet. Jewish culture. But for them to see Jesus washing their feet, it's counterculture. How can a master wash his disciples' feet? And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with a towel with which he was burdened. Ah, this is not normal. It's so unusual. And I guess you probably heard of the story of the new Pope, Pope Francis. You know, part of the ceremony that they have, I think every uh, Easter or I'm not sure, sometimes during the Holy Week, is to wash some of the cardinal's feet as a sign or an act of humility. What he did was, he did not wash the feet of the cardinals, he actually chose 12 prisoners and washed their feet. He chose prisoners from age, I think, uh, 19 to 20 plus and started washing their feet as a sign of humility. And check out the response or the reaction of one particular lady. After washing, he kissed the feet and Oh, wow! I guess he was too surprised. And some articles came out, according to the Associated Press, Pope Francis' unorthodox move angered many traditionalists in the Catholic Church who called the decision a questionable example, a questionable example. But this was his response. Help one another. This is what Jesus teaches us, he said. That is what I do. And I do it with my heart. I do it with my heart because it is my duty. As a priest and a bishop, and I must be at your service. It's counterculture. It's not normal. The reason why this thing, humility, is unpopular is because it's not normal. You know, we, we tend to think, ah, do I deserve this? You may not deserve it, but... That's the way to do it. And I'm not expecting you to go and buy yourself a bucket from Save More and start washing the feet of the people in Save the Festival Mall. Pahugas ng paa, bro! You know, you don't have to do that. It's just an illustration or an example. Verse 6 and 7, it says, Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And they sure did. Peter initially said no. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And Peter said, then not only my feet, my hands and my head as well. Paliguan mo na ako. Parang gano'n, no? Ang kapal naman ng pari. Peter, di ba? Hinugasa rin ka. May sumama pa sa ulo. Anyway, so, verse 15, as I come to a close, I have set you an example that you should do. 
what I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And yeah, it's a nice story that Jesus actually set an example for us, but guess what? It does not end there. What Jesus is saying, as I did it to my disciples, so you are to do that for one Jesus is expecting us expects us to humbly serve one another. And this is what we come to talk about. Humble leadership is taking up yourself as you serve others. Heavenly God is calling every one of us as leaders to walk in humility. We hope you were inspired by that message. To learn more about leadership, we encourage you to join a Victory Group today. Visit and inquire at the Concierge, or simply request for one at www.victoryalabang.org, or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Thank you, and stay connected.